What's up, everyone? Welcome into episode 83 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Michael Mike. My name is Mike Johnston from Mike'sLessons.com. My co-host, who will be joining me shortly, is Mr. Mike Dawson, Managing Editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. After Mike and I get all caught up, we'll talk a little bit about syncopation, interpreting syncopation. Our featured artist this time is Mr. Matt Garska. In our gear review section, we'll be checking out the Dixon Little Rumor Kit. We'll get to a bunch of your listener questions, and as always, we'll give you our picks of the week. So let's get started. Such a good snap. <laughs> Such you a snap good with snap. your right hand or left hand? Oh, always with my right. Always. Yeah. What about you? Well, you're left-handed, right? Yeah, but it's either or. It just depends on which one is closest to whatever yeah. I need to do. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, I kind of flam with them sometimes to <laughs> if I'm kind of walking around the house, getting my bounce on. Um, now, here, here's a question. How do you snap? Do you go with, like, a director's down or do you snap out? Huh. Okay, what am you're I kind doing? of a you're kind of a director, yeah. So directors yeah, do down. that, like the up and down, like one, two, yeah, a one, definitely, two, right. And I, I go out, I push it out, like one, two. Oh wow! So it's like my my palm is facing the ground when I snap. <laughs> I turn it over. There's a little <laughs> why <laughs> exactly? That's what I'm trying to get at. Why? Because details matter, Mike. You're just yeah. going with efficiency. I'm going with style points. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why my snaps are like slightly off. Uh, how are you, man? I'm good. I, j- I think I just kicked a, a flu bug or something. I had like a 24-hour just like headaches and stuff. So, And you just told it no? I'm too yeah, busy. That, that and I consumed about 3,000 vitamins and things. So That's all it takes, man. It kind just 3,000. Yeah. <laughs> did you go gummy or did you go hardcore vitamins? No, I mean it's the dry horse pills. I've yeah. got you know, like vitamin C tablets and zinc tablets and what else did I take? I, I drink uh, oh, oregano and, and emergency and vinegar. I mean it's it's full <laughs> you on. Beat it out, of, beat it into submission. I was trying to just make my body just give up. <laughs> I love it, man. With I love vitamins. it. Now the the real key is three days from now because we'll find out. Did you just postpone it, I, or did I you know. actually shut it down? I've done yeah. that where I'm like, that was easy, and then three days later, my body's like, hey, we did our best with all your little, <laughs> you know, foo foo magic mushroom crap. Uh, here we go. We're going down. So, yep. Good stuff, man. Did you gig this weekend? Uh, yeah, I did. What did I do? Yeah, I had a. Um a rock gig, and then I played a benefit show with a local uh, music school. Nice, man. so I played Very with cool. all the uh, you know, play with all the students who are playing some pretty challenging music. They're doing like Kansas, you know, that song "Carry On." My yeah, son. yeah, they're doing that song. I had to like chart it out and learn that song. Really, that's not, that's not one you can just show up and play. Yeah, yeah, that's no, I, I agree. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Hey, uh, quick question: Do you know what happened? Was there something weird with the podcast this last week? Uh, yeah, it, uh, show up a little late. It, it was it was floating in in the digital realm for whatever reason. Oh, okay. So because I specifically in the intro said, "Hey, if you guys can come out to my clinic this Saturday," <laughs> and the podcast came out on Tuesday, and so oh, I'm yeah. hoping that nobody just showed because I didn't give the date. Um, Oops. And then and while I was over in England, a bunch of people were like calling me a slacker saying like oh since you have to do this we, we didn't get our podcast i'm like no, no no we went way out of our way to do it early so you could have it so you guys submitted it and it just itunes was like not today no what happened was one of we changed servers recently and one of our okay. computers here the computer that's used to upload the the uh podcast was locked into the old server and so we had to have like the it guy come in and change it okay yeah, so it was all set to go, but then we were like, why is it not there? We just couldn't figure out why, and then we realized. So gotcha. Our apologies, gotcha. but it's a twofer this week. Bam. It's a twofer. <laughs> and there's uh, no clinic this Saturday. There, <laughs> there's no clinic. Do not go to the Phoenix Theater in Castleford. There's no clinic. It already happened, and the star of the show was this eight-year-old, and uh, it was just fantastic. Eight-year-old? Uh, what did you bring him up to play? Yeah, like so we were doing the Q&A. Um, I had a master class, then the clinic. So two-hour master class during the day, then the clinic at night, then the next day a five-hour master class, and then flew home. But uh, so during the clinic, you know, my part's done. I'm doing the Q&A with the crowd, and this little kid raises his hand. And you know how it is when you're on stage. You can't see anything at all. So you just see kind of a hand go up. So yeah. I was like, yeah, you in the front. <clears throat> and then I hear this voice, and it's clearly a child. And he just <laughs> asked in his little Harry Potter voice, like, 
how long have you played drums? And I and I put my hand over my eyes so I could kind of shield the light, and I go, how long have you played drums? <laughs> and uh, he's like, one year? And I was like, do you want to play right now? And and his mom was like, go for it, go for it. And he's like, okay. And he so he came up on stage, so pro. Now, I mean, the kid really has been playing for one year, so he's, he wasn't like throwing down or anything. Um, he sat on my kit did not adjust anything. I even told him, like I whispered in his ear, I said, do you want me to lower the seat for you, bud? I mean, his feet barely reached the pedals. He didn't adjust anything, and he just kicked into a fat beat. The whole crowd started clapping on two and four, played a fill, hit the crash on the one. I had the guy backstage. I could kind of see him out of the corner of my eye. I was like, turn up the house lights, turn up the house lights. And then the kids saw the whole crowd, and it's like a packed theater. Oh, wow. And, he, you know, and it was so epic. But that's like one of my biggest pet peeves with drummers is like, Play it as it lies, man. Sit down and play the drums. You don't have to move everything. This kid was eight, could barely touch the pedals, and he sat down and rocked, and then he left. And it was awesome, man. And he wasn't scared at all, huh? Fearless. I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I saw him and his mom after the show, and she was like, yeah, I just took him to the Green Day concert a couple days ago. And I'm like, (laughs) what a stud, man. And he was just a sweet little kid, man. Uh, So he stole the show. And for any of those of you on Instagram or on Facebook that were saying, like, hey, let's see the video you got to think through that before you type that one because that's an eight-year-old child that I don't have any relation to. I, I So I'm not about to put video of an eight-year-old kid out on social media so that everyone can tear it up where they yeah. have no reference for how long he's been playing. For playing for one year and getting up in front of a crowd full, not just a crowd, a crowd of judging drummers, mm, yep. and he just crushed it and then walked off the stage, you know, <laughs> slapped me a little five, and he had to go. And it, it was awesome. So it's like, how about we put up a picture? You imagine that it was awesome, and let's leave it at that. And yeah, really. a picture of the back of his head. He's eight. I don't really have I, – because I don't have – I don't know his mom. I don't know him. I posted that once I got to the hotel. It's like it's – a, it's a fine line of can I post this? This, this is a kid. But yeah, since it was the back exactly. of his head, I felt fine with it. So, And then his mom commented and said uh, everything was good. So all That's good cool. stuff. That's one of yeah, those uh, – you probably changed his life forever moments, you know? Like oh man, wouldn't that be great? That. I'm just like you know, 70, just trying to get up the stairs with my cane, and and this teenager comes up, and he's like, well, I guess he'd be in his late 20s, but uh, comes up, and he's like, Hey man, uh, you really changed my. That would be awesome. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully that is a, a big moment for him. Oh uh, buddy, let's get into some education. Yeah, I think this is a topic we might have talked about before, but I think we can always revisit the idea of taking a written rhythm and what do you do with it? How do you interpret it? It's it's one of those things that people always, uh, especially the hardcore drum guys, get all upset with me when I say that syncopation and stick control are two of the worst books ever written unless you have a teacher. Yeah. That's, because yeah. if you don't have a teacher, you don't have the biggest word you used in the sentence you sent me was interpreting. If, if you yeah. don't have someone to help you interpret, it's just like, wait, you really want me to go dot, 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 dot. Like, that is lame. Like, yep. I just got a Dream Theater album, and you want me to play this rhythm? No way. Once you have a teacher, those books are absolutely brilliant and genius, and there's a reason why they've been along, uh, around as long as they have. Um, you know, I often I st- wonder, did Ted Reed intend for his book to, to be interpreted, or right? was it literally just a reading book? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it is great for reading rhythms, and the great thing about it is because he has quarter notes on the bass drum throughout the whole thing, you kind of... Without even knowing it, you're getting a grid, right? Yeah. You right. can see it. It either goes with it or against it. Those are our only options, yep. especially in the eighth note sections. Um, but one thing I love about syncopation is I could give that to a saxophone player. I could give that to a piano player. I could give that to anybody and say, mm-hmm. play these rhythms. You choose the notes. You choose the melody. But play this rhythm. And, and it could be a great reading book. So with with that, how? let me ask you this. When did you have someone bring it to your attention that you didn't have to play what was on the page, that it was a guideline, and they said, okay, now I want you to treat that what's on the page, that's going to be your left hand underneath the jazz ride pattern. Was that early? Was it late? Uh, wow. Um, I mean, or did I was you in- do it on your own? Yeah, I was interpreting jazz band charts from like sixth grade on, fifth grade right. on, really. Uh, so I kind of just assumed certain things like that, like because the way that the rhythms are written for full ensemble hits are just across the center of the staff, and there's no no sure. like how do you play this? You have to kind of figure right. it out. So I kind of taught myself that just by what seemed to make sense, but it wasn't until 
I was in high school and I started taking lessons with one of Joe Morello's former students. Okay. And he had me buy syncopation and stick control and that's that's all we did for a year was those two books mm-hmm. and like Which still week, isn't even enough time, right? No, We're, every, every week it was like a it was like a new independence challenge, a new dexterity challenge, a new technique mm-hmm. challenge using just these books, uh, you know, whatever. He he would give me a bunch of ideas, and then my assignment was to like do something with it. Come back next week and have your own version based on this idea. That's so cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and it was like it was kind of like what you talk about, where you have like non-creative and creative. It kind of combines the two. Uh, absolutely because the creative yeah. side is what are you going to do with it and then a non-creative is practice that so that's yeah I, I thought it was really effective and i think it's still it's still a really i mean it's an endless way to practice and there, there are two articles in the current issue the april issue one is it's not taken from syncopation but it's kind of the same idea it's called a thousand ways to practice a single page so what uh libor did was he wrote out just a syncopated figure for four bars and he offered Gosh, how many? One, two, three, four, five, six different ways to interpret it on the drum yep. set. When, and, and most of this is stuff that I wouldn't necessarily think of. And then the in the Jazz Drummer's Workshop article, uh, it is actually a piece from Syncopation, and he shows you how to play like kind of Art Blakey style, Max Roach style, double stops. It's so that. cool. I was I was reading that article, and that's something I haven't done with it. Yeah, I just me either. I haven't done the double stop thing as the written rhythm and then bass drum in between or bass drum in the missing notes. Exactly. Now I'm assuming I didn't see it in there, but the whole thing's written in straight eights. But since he's referencing Max and Art, are you are we to assume that you swing this whole thing? Or would you just play it straight? You know, I think it's it's tempo dependent because when you get into fast sure. it's straighter. And and Blakey tended to play kind of more straight eight stuff. So okay. I think it's I think to begin, maybe swing it, but yeah, I mean, I think just at that slower kind of dang, jang, dang, jang, bum, ba, goom, ba, ba, goom, ba, goom, ba, goom, ba, goom, ba, goom, ba, ba, goom, ba, goom, ba, ba, goom, ba, ba. Sorry, I'm sight reading it right now. Yeah, so yeah, that's that sounds like it's. I think that's the first four measures from summary number one. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I never. I mean, especially at those up tempo things, I never would have thought doing that. And then I love that he even mentioned that like if if Max was doing it, his right hand would be here and his left hand would be here. And if Art was doing it, that'd be reversed. Yeah, and right. it, it was really, really well done stuff. I mean, from both guys. But it's one of those things where, like you said, you've been playing your whole life. I've been playing my whole life. And neither one of us, you hadn't done you know, the first article um, by Libor and I haven't done this. And this one uh, by Mike seems like so, how could you not have done that? Put know, your hands right? together and play the rhythm. It's like I don't know. I was working on. In. <laughs> yeah, I was doing some other stuff. I guess so. Um, it's it's truly truly endless, man. And yeah, uh, yeah. The one that I like from from Libor's is the he plays just constant sixteenth notes and then he plays double stops wherever the written rhythm lands. Yeah, so it's almost like they're like flat flams. Uh huh. And yeah. he's moving the the hands whatever hand is playing the rhythm is hitting cymbals or toms or open hi-hats and stuff i'd never done that either and that's that's a real technical bear it's endless man it's absolutely endless so yeah i think that that's the thing that as a private drum instructor that's what i'm trying to give my student is not exercises exercises are are endless you and i just found two after a combined 70 years of drumming we just found two that we've never tried um, and and they weren't insane. These are like no brainers, and we still yep. didn't get to them. Yep. So the exercises are easy. I can I can make that happen for my students. I can sit down with a, a a syncopated rhythm and figure that out. What's really the challenge for me as a private drum instructor, or even as a clinician or whatever, I need to get my student to see a page, uh, you know, four bars of syncopated rhythms, and I need them to not see that. I need them to see a million possibilities mm-hmm. and that's really hard is getting their brain to turn on in that way where they look at it and go oh okay so i'm going to do 30 second note paradiddles between ride and hi-hat and that's going to be my kick pattern and i'll jump down to the snare on two and four and it's like great give it a go <laughs> yeah. and and now it's like wow that lame little pattern is so cool and for those yeah. of you guys out there that don't know that you've heard the word syncopation but you don't really know what it means syncopation just means any rhythm that is not evenly spaced so as soon as you throw in one little eighth note rest or a 16th note rest and you just chop that rhythm up a little bit now it's syncopated um so because i i 
I think that for for me, as I was coming up, people would say things like, hey, can you make the bass drum a little more syncopated? Maybe I was playing four on the floor. And I didn't really know what that meant mm. at the time as a kid. And all it means is break it up. Don't make it so four on the floor, so evenly spaced. So when people ask you to syncopate the hi-hat or syncopate the bass drum, they're asking you to break it up a little bit. Um, but yeah, both, um, you know, syncopation by Ted Reed, that's, that's just like, how do you not have that? Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm either directly or indirectly practicing that out of that all the time. It's kind of, it kind of just changed the way I think of, of practice is never yeah. like practice and exercise and move on. It's always find a concept and then apply whatever right. you're, you're, you're curious about to it. I was actually working on, I was uh, at home this morning and I had uh, John Mayer blasting right next to my kit. And I have like all the Aquarian super pads on so I can just kind of play at home in the morning. And I was just working on, up-tempo hand-to-hand triplets and i realized that my accents in those were so right-hand dominant mm. the only and the left hand just was not a part of it it was just dun 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 dun, dun. and all right hand and every once in a while the left hand would kick in a little bit but i'm like how come i can't hang out on the left here and so i i pulled out the book syncopation and i just started going through those exercises and i found these rhythms i'm like i can play that i just kind of forgot that that's one and so i was literally working on hand-to-hand triplets today using syncopation i mean it really Uh, never ends man never ends you know one that i think is super basic that most people don't do is to play like a basic groove with the snare and the kick and read syncopation with the right hand oh to get like on the bell like to give you like a a, a syncopated bell pattern and would you play it um see if i if i was going how would you play the bell part double time Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you oh, go ahead. I was saying, I just don't think that's one that people do often, but it it opens up a whole. I mean, a lot of a lot of students I work with, they get locked into the right hand always playing a repeated ostinato, right? And not like being expressive with the ride cymbal or the hi hat or the or the bell. And I think that's a simple way to kind of unlock it. Yeah, um, and yeah. kind of make it just this flow of groove slash improv that you know it's still it's still a groove, but it's not sure. just a pattern, right? And I wonder too. I mean, I'm thinking just right now, if I changed to un ka un un ka, I would literally have to learn that whole thing. But yeah, each time you change the kick, it's going to be uh, it's brand. I mean, could you imagine band. boom? I do, oh, 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 God. While going, ding, ding, da, ding, da, ding, ding. Funky oh. <laughs> primer. <laughs> I almost cussed. Woo! No way. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great, great exercise, man. I think that's yeah. awesome. So, guys, check out Syncopation. And uh, since we haven't had a bingo word in a while, uh, if you want to see literal syncopation, not just interpreted, but literal syncopation used in the most expressive musical form ever, check out any of Mark Giuliano's solo project stuff or check out his stuff with Hernt because he actually play, has like the whole band playing syncopated rhythms and yep. then they just improvise over the top of it and it's long form like 20 bars randomly not 16 yeah. bars but like 20 bars what is kind of that's the one track is kind of like his classic at this locked point. in the basement yeah yeah that's yep. the one yep. that's what all of my <laughs> students had to learn that I, I think I've told you before but my buddy Tim Metz went to school with Josh Dion and Mark. Right. So I was listening to Hernt or Hernt when God, like, <clears throat> I mean, right when it came out, when, when, cause my buddy Tim came back from school and he's like, Hey, my classmate, Mark, this is his like high school band. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, all my students have to learn this from now on. This is the <laughs> coolest like senior project ever. So, uh, yeah, locked in, locked in the basement or locked yep. in a basement. All right. Well, let's move on. So it is time to talk about our featured artist, the cover artist, of this month's issue of Modern Drummer. So if you guys haven't seen the April issue of Modern Drummer, then you don't know. But if you have, then you know that the great Matt Garska is on the cover. It's a great color scheme. Whoever your art director is, looks good. <laughs> yeah, looks yeah. Good. It's looking good. It looks great. Um, <laughs> what is that? His shoe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. He cleaned the bottom of his shoes for the photo shoot. Looks great, man. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah, I mean, you, could, yeah. you could have been a fly on the wall during our debates on 
is it is it rude to show the bottom of someone's shoe or not? And <laughs> <laughs> you guys had oh, when you were picking what's going to be the cover shot, yeah, yeah, and exactly. how to crop it. I think it looks great. It gives like a cool perspective. Um, yeah, that's what I liked about. It. I mean, it's just it has an impact. It does. I, I had to look at him like, is that his shoe? <laughs> yeah. um, that's awesome, man. Well, first of all, um, Matt, if you're listening, congrats, man. Uh, I have to say, this is the most competitive cat I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, first time I hung out with Matt was uh, we invited him to play with myself, JP Bouvet, and Matt Halpern at the Common Thread. He was in uh, the Los Angeles area, and we were coming through L.A., and JP obviously knew him. They went to school together, and Matt Halpern knows him from Periphery and the Animals as Leaders thing. I didn't know Matt. I just knew who he was, and he was a minor artist. I think maybe we'd met at NAMM, but I wasn't, we weren't friends. And they said, hey, is it cool if we have Matt play? And I said, well, he probably shouldn't play with us because he's insane. Why don't we do our <laughs> clinic, and then when we're done, let's have him come up as a guest and then just have him blow everybody's minds. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and we all agreed that that was a good idea. So... So anyways, uh, before the clinic, we decided to go out to dinner and we go out to sushi and I was not ready. Like this is the most competitive person I've ever (laughs) met. I mean, this is like crazy athlete times 10. And the the first thing, as soon as we sit down and they bring the drinks, there's a full Coke can on the table because he ordered a Coke. And he goes, bet me I can't pick that up with chopsticks and take a drink out of it. And I was like, <laughs> what? I don't, I, and I'm looking around the table, and he's like staring me right in the eyes. And I'm like, I, I don't know why you would want to. Or He's like, it's because it's hard. Bet me I can't do that. And I'm like, okay, I bet you you can't take a drink with it. And sure enough, and he like measured it out, like looked down at the can, and he thought about where he's going to grasp it with his chop. I mean, he didn't get like multiple tries. If you screw this up, there's Coke all over everything. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's a full Coke can, and, and sure enough, he just he just went for it. And, and when he accomplished it, it was like, he was stoked. He's like, what up? What's up? And I was like, all right, man. And then, yeah, and that was like it. my first impression of, of Matt Garska was like, that is a fiery little dude. And, man, after that, I became such a huge fan of his. And his playing, obviously, is, is unbelievable. It, it's yeah, it's it just is. incredible. I don't think that we were all ready, at least when he first kind of came on the scene, because he, you know, I knew about him before Animals as Leaders just because mm-hmm. Minel. Minel was saying, like, we just signed this dude. He's pretty amazing. Um, actually, maybe he was already in Animals as Leaders, but I, I didn't know about that. I just, I had seen him play by himself. I didn't know how influential he was going to be. Yeah. I mean, he was, when I first started here, I was doing, we used to have a column called On the Move, which yep. was like readers that. submitted. They'd send their own press packages and we'd pick some, some drummers who were kind of, you know, up and coming. And he was one of the first ones I edited. He was back I then. Think he, yeah. I think he was currently a student at Berkeley. At Berkeley. I think he had yeah. just started at Berkeley, but it, he had already been gigging with his dad and playing like tons okay. of gigs. So it was kind of like, okay, this dude's, this dude's going to be a badass. Uh, yeah. And then, gosh, what was it after that? I mean, we've kind of just kept our eye on him. This is his second cover, actually. He was on the cover for the last record as well. So he's he's kind of been on our radar for a while. But uh, I first saw a video of him playing a clinic, I believe, in a church or something. Did you see that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where he's playing to a metronome and, and just going <laughs> yeah. crazy. Off and nobody the, nobody can handle it. Like, the whole crowd's just like, yeah. uh, hmm. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that. That was uh, I saw that video and God, I can't remember. It was like some outdoor festival video that I saw. It was like my first time ever seeing him play because Chris Brewer at Minel said, "Hey, we just signed this guy. Uh, check him out." And I, I was like, uh, "What? I can't, <laughs> I can't even comprehend what's happening here." But what's crazy is, unlike some of our Uber drummers that we have, even though I couldn't comprehend it, it still grooved. That's the thing with him is he, he, he kind of like you can either go like I'm going to focus on time and groove or I'm going to focus on chops, but he does them both. And I don't think there's too many people aside from Vinny Calyuta and Dennis Chambers that have both of those things on lockdown, where their yeah. their time and their feel is flawless, but then their chops are just next level you know, craziness. Yeah, his math is worked out. I mean, you can tell because when when we did the thing together in L.A., he just picked one thing and stayed on it like for like 10 minutes and just mm. stayed on it and went deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. But you kind of thought like, okay, you've really maxed this idea out. 
And then he went further and further. <laughs> yeah. And so his math is so unbelievably worked out, yet it feels like he's never practiced a day in his life and he's just natural. You know, yeah, it has that yeah. feel. And it, yeah. it's like, well, that's not fair. You don't get yeah. both. I like, think he's got both. I mean, he does have it because he's you know born in a musical family, so he's surrounded by that. And, and I would assume that his father stressed groove over everything else at the time. But then he got his own curiosity of, I want to just go deep into the, – the video I was talking about is called if – you, if you search YouTube for clinic displacement, Matt Gartska, you'll find it. Okay. So he's playing like with a with just a Dr. Beat or something, just playing a groove and then just displacing it like – and never once does it feel like it falls out of the pocket. It's really oh, yeah. insane. Everyone in the room is like, what is going on? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of – that's just kind of like, how you you go you go into a Matt Garska clinic or a demonstration of anything. I mean, he's he's fantastic. He has um, for those of you guys that are are into Matt or maybe even just into animals as leaders, and you want to know more, you should definitely check out his his website. Um, do you know what his website is? Is uh, it, it the Matt Dash Garska one? Yeah, it's a it's a yeah. my Shopify. But if you just search for Matt Garska, you'll find his page. It'll be the first thing that comes up. Yeah, and and there's tons of video lessons there uh, that you can check out as well. And he, he's just he's a funny, funny guy. Uh, I don't know if you've seen his Dirty D videos, but uh, he's a he's a he's got a very good sense of humor. Uh, a <laughs> little crass, he's got that that thing going on, but uh, yeah. but it, it's pretty awesome and fantastic player for sure. And I think one thing that I really like about Matt, I feel like we're in that Vinny. Vinny in Frank Zappa time where you kind of know when animals as leaders is done, whenever that is, that's not the end of Matt Garska. That's the beginning of Matt Garska. That's when he's finally let loose to be his own thing. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like this band is, is kind of the perfect vehicle for him to get all of these experiments out. I mean, he's, it's, it's a perfect match, but at the same time he could play a, he could play a straight up pop gig and kill it. I mean, absolutely anybody. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think, I, I think you could swap out uh, Aaron Spears and Matt Garska for the Usher gig, and Matt would absolutely destroy that gig yeah. in his own way. Obviously, I mean, Aaron has his own thing, but I, I, I think Matt would feel at home there. Feels at home doing this. And the one thing that I love about Matt is, especially knowing JP the way that I do, and uh, they went, you know, they were at Berkeley at the same time. It's not luck. It's not yeah. just that he had no. a musical family. Like JP said that every time he walked past a practice room, Matt was in there drenched in sweat, blazing. And, and I mean, for like tens of hours, like no food type stuff. And JP said that he was, he couldn't slack off because Matt was always practicing and they were just pushing <laughs> each other. So um, I, I think it'd be pretty hard. I mean, I, I don't know if you know of anybody, but I think it'd be pretty hard to find someone at this level or any level that you and I kind of look up to that didn't put in the hours, right? Do you know I mean, of anybody off the top of your head that's like, I really have never practiced? I mean, besides that Buddy Rich bull crap, yeah, like squash yeah. walnuts with my hands. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, let me think. Is there anyone that I know that just doesn't practice? No, I, I can't think or of anyone. Or didn't to get to where they are. Uh, yeah, there's not one... I mean, everyone, every top drummer has the same story. Like, there's a couple years in their life when they, they just lived in the practice room. That's it. Yeah. You just have to do it. I mean, it was, yeah. I don't feel like I did enough of it, but even still, I mean, even college years, I was practicing four or five hours a day for four years straight. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you just have to, I think. I agree. I don't Absolutely know how you agree. Possibly. I can't think of anyone that, I mean, I'm thinking like maybe Bernard Purdy just, just grooved out of the womb. And but, even that's just an, ab- uh, an assumption, right? We don't know yeah, that. Yeah, we have no idea. Yeah, uh, unreal. I, well, I Matt it. is the opposite for sure. By the way, if any of you guys are monster drummers and you've been on the cover of Modern Drummer and you don't practice, please email us at info <laughs> at moderndrummer dot com. I like, would like to know who that is. I want to look through some issues here and be like, okay, okay, who, who doesn't, doesn't practice? practice? <laughs> You're really grabbing issues. <laughs> yeah. I love it. That is awesome. Uh, well, while while Mike tries to find that stuff, uh, if you want to learn more about Matt Garska, you can obviously just search for him on Google. But his website is Matt. Uh, hyphen garska.myshopify.com and you can check out lessons and blog and schedule and contact and all of that so check it out he's fantastic uh, do you think Lars Ulrich practices 
<laughs> Sorry, Skype cut out for a second. I couldn't hear you. Uh. <laughs> Why you gotta do that, man? <laughs> I'm just looking. On. I'm just looking through like the past eight years. And, like, I think everyone... he did at some point. <laughs> that early stuff wasn't all that easy. What about Mike Johnson? Do you think he practices? Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. I'm. I'm pretty sure that uh, I was driving everybody nuts on the flight over to England, tapping on my legs. Uh, oh, did you just find my cover issue? Is that why you said that? Yeah, I just popped oh. up. Oh, you know, I wanted to ask you about how the clinic went because you said you were just basically going to go and just play. Yeah, yeah. The solo go? was really fun. Um, so obviously I did two tracks, and those are kind of the break the ice, get my hands and feet warmed up. And then I taught a little bit, and then I played a solo, and the solo was really fun. Like, no real form. Like, I was trying to get lost and just be somewhere where I'm like, I have no idea where I am, but I'm playing drums. Uh, I would say maybe 60% of where I wanted it to be as far as going in and, and not mm. thinking of anything. But my pick of the week hopefully will help with that, and I get to try it again in Germany. So I'm getting there, you know. Um, I think I'm going to actually try to come up with some ways to even make it – uh, to practice it, you know, like maybe commit to three or four live streams per week at 10 p.m. when everyone's asleep, but it's live streaming and I'm going to solo and I'm going in. And um, mm. but yeah, it was fun. I, I really felt that I, the drumming came out in a way that it was like, cool, I'm totally proud of that. It wasn't awesome, but it was exactly where I am right now and I'm proud of it. So um, yeah, cool. a lot of times I feel really just restrained. I, I feel like unless it's worked out ahead of time i can't perform it and so it's really hard for me to just improvise stuff Uh, yeah i mean that's really what my solos are my solos are so rehearsed that they seem improvised but i know every note you know Mm. and now i'm trying to get to that point where it's a much much more open interpretation of like i want every night to be different even if the story was kind of the same but i want to be like oh i went down i I took this weird left turn, and all of a sudden we were in nine. It's like cool, stay in yeah, nine. I mean, that's Have some fun. That's the guys like uh, Antonio Sanchez and and Ari Honig and Marco Georgievic. Mm. That's I think that's what they do best. Where it's like play a note and then play another note and then make some music out of those two notes and then yeah. ten minutes later you've you've essentially painted a masterpiece. Yeah, like, that's think- the stuff that I can, and Jack DeJohnette is probably the the archetype of that. Mm-hmm. Like just create a little motif, and even if it's corny or, or you don't really like it, just go with it and then make it sound good. Well, if I gave you even uh, just like one word or one topic that was somewhat that you were somewhat knowledgeable about, you wouldn't freak out and not be able to speak. If I if I just said jazz fusion eighties, <laughs> right? It's like we would have a great conversation. So why can't I say jazz fusion? 80s on my drum set <laughs> i should be able to do that i have vocabulary and all of a sudden i'm like jazz fusion is when you bring multiple styles together and i sound like a moron like what the hell it should be a conversation i have vocabulary so the thing that people don't realize is when you speak actually speak you do it all day long every yeah. day yeah. you do it with strangers you do it with people you're comfortable with you have your version of speaking that you do <laughs> with strangers and then you have the more let's get back to the you know uh to the house and i'll tell you what i really think and yep. it's like well that's what i want i want on stage i want to tell you what i really think and yeah. i'm mm-hmm. not there yet and the only way to get there is practice it's not hoping it's not just gathering more and more vocabulary you and I have plenty of friends that have a vast vocabulary, and they never use those words in the right place. They're yeah. just like, I'm dropping a big word. And that's like, <laughs> cool. has no relevance to what we're talking about. So, All right. Well, everybody, check out Matt Garska. <clears throat> yeah, the um, new Animals as Leaders record is called The Madness of Many. I highly recommend it. And actually, anything that he's played on, I mean, it's, it's some of the best drumming you're ever going to hear, I think. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely agreed. All right. Well, let's get into the candy gear review. This is a uh, little biscuit. It's actually it's got the word little in it. The <laughs> yeah. little rumor kit. Um, so this thing is looks like it's selling for about seven fifty. And this is cajon. Uh, what does it come with? So it's a cajon kind of trap yeah. kit. But what does it, it actually? It's come a little with? confusing because I think there's been some different dealers have packaged it uh, as a complete thing. And but the actual little rumor is an expansion pack for a cajon. So if you already own a cajon. You can turn it into a drum set with a little tambourine jingle snare, a 10-inch tom, and a 
14 inch floor tom but i'm pretty sure there's some dealers that are selling it with the cajon and the pedal it okay. also comes with the stands so the little rumor that that we got is the snare the two toms uh, a boom cymbal stand a hi-hat stand and a extra boom arm that can hang off the other stand okay. so it's designed to be like a, a expansion pack for your cajon doesn't take up a lot of space um the pedal, the Cajon pedal, is like a remote pedal that's not not included, but it's certainly worth getting. Uh, and who makes the one that you have on there? Is it Gibraltar? This is all Dixon. Oh, really? Okay. <clears throat> yep, everything is Dixon. Um, so I actually didn't use, because they didn't send it with a Cajon, I didn't even use a Cajon. Because the, the Cajon pedal has a, a bracket you can mount on anything. So oh, okay. you could you can have it play anything. You could play cymbals. You could play whatever you want. Oh! So I had it on, on the bottom side of the floor tom as like a cocktail drum. Wow! Super fun. Super That's fun. That's awesome. Now, now the Cajon beater is super soft. Um, it's designed to not break the Cajon. The Cajon, face yeah, the thin piece of wood. So I swapped it out with like a hard felt beater, and it, okay. it was punchy as hell i mean it was really punchy yeah it comes with double ply heads top and bottom on the toms so they they go deeper and and fatter than you expect double ply uh, on the bottom too i'm pretty sure yeah cool man that sounds yeah. great for how i mean how shallow is that floor tom like a eight or a ten it's a ten by thirteen it's a ten by thirteen floor tom yeah uh, seven by ten rack tom and a little three and a half by ten single-headed jingle snare Man. The snare is cool. I think okay. if if nothing else, I think everyone should get one of these jingle snares. They're just mounted really cool. off this. Yeah, yeah. Mount yeah, just put it on the L arm, and I mean it's it's super cool. It can get the kind of really high uh, thing. You can also tune it really low and put some tape on it. and It sounds like an eight hundred eight snare. Nice, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. So let me ask you this: <clears throat> with this kit, mm-hmm. do you see this being a big space saver over your? traditional bop kit or would you choose this because of its its sound and its timbre this um well not having a bass drum it doesn't take up nearly as much uh vertical space okay or, you know depth sure <clears throat> um <clears throat> so in that regard and you can you can move everything around and make it really tight you could you could probably fly the the rack tom and the snare off the off of one stand uh and you don't have to have a hi-hat if you don't need a hi-hat. So it could potentially be a major safe, uh, space saver. For me, it was more of a like an alternative sound. You know, like there's some things that, that my band does here around New York called, um, I'm going to look it up, make sure I'm not, not missaying. I think it's called So Far Sounds. Okay. And they just do these like unannounced secret gigs. And they're in like random places, atriums and stuff. Oh, wow. All around New York. So one of my bands does those pretty often, but obviously I can't bring a drum set. I've got to bring a cajon and shakers or whatever. So this, when when the guys in the band saw the picture of this, like, okay, that needs to be the kit for this band. Because a lot of our songs are toms-based and stuff. So I need that option. So this would be perfect. I'll probably end up taking the cajon with the pedal and the floor tom and the snare. And it looks like everything besides the cajon... Um, stands included fits into two cases. Yeah, like yeah, all the, the drums, drums and everything, yep. right? The drums fit into one bag, and all the hardware fits into one bag. That's awesome, man! Yeah, Very cool. It's cool, and it sounds well, really funky. I mean, I I had a lot of fun with it. I'm actually hesitant to tear it down because it's been just inspiring me to just play different, really different. Nice, man. Well, with that being said, let's give it a listen. Dude, that thing is awesome. Isn't it cool? And I tried to make sure I I played the bass drum both ways by digging in and playing yep. off the head so you could hear it kind of like open and closing. Yeah, you got some of that 808 thing when you were playing just a few notes and then when you played some of the more choppier stuff it kind of it got really tight sounding. Yeah. So that what size was the floor tom was that? It's a 13. It's 
Unbelievable. Oh, no, 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 no. What time? I'm sorry. What size is the floor tom that you used as the bass drum? It's the 13. I'm using the one that come that came with the little room. Shut up. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, if you oh look at that, that picture of the kit in the review, just remove the cajon. Yeah. And that's what I'm playing and put the beater underneath the floor tom. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I thought you brought in inch. one of your other. No. Okay. I thought that was like a 16 or an 18. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And, yeah. and I, I totally agree with you. Out of that whole thing, it all sounded good, but that snare yeah, sounds cool. like, oh, I don't have that. I want that yeah. sound. Because um, the jingles just had some like trashiness that's kind of Yeah, cool. and the fact that it has no bottom head, I mean, it just couldn't be more dry. But, yeah. but it, it's really, I'm surprised how much snare buzz there is. Like when you did the little roll, you could yeah, hear it. Was, it didn't sound like a tom with a little bit of snare rattle to it. It, it really sounded like a snare. So... So you have the bass drum playing upwards towards the floor tom, yep. and then on the and then in those fills, you're also playing the floor tom with your sticks, right? Correct. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Which I guess again, that is quite the space saver if you did it that way. Yeah, and it, again, it was it was interesting to have the beater. Like if you play the the bass drum and leave the beater on the bottom head and then hit the floor tom, that's a totally different sound than. Oh if yeah, you, you can have mute. The yeah. yeah, you kind of get into this like tabla kind of a yeah, weird Yeah, I was going to say, it'd be like playing, it's like a piano. Like your your pedal can actually mute the strings <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Wow, and I bet you could do some really cool stuff between hand and foot since the tones are identical as yeah. far as you're playing the same drum. You know? Yeah, what was a little, at first I had to be aware of the the level. Like the microphone would peak out if I hit the floor tom really hard with a stick because the beater's not going to hit it as hard as you hit it with a stick. That was the one thing that was like, maybe I should be cautious but i actually double mic'd it so the top was getting was you know leveled to match the stick and the bottom was leveled to match the the pedal gotcha wow it sounded really good so uh so yeah i like you said i i don't know i mean i looked it up and i found it on reverb um i found it in a couple different places so i think like you said probably dixon is offering this out to different um places as far as how they're going to package it uh, but yeah if you just type into google dixon little rumor r-o-o-m-e-r cajon kit uh i, I mean the whole kit uh with the cajon let me make sure because um, on reverb it looks like with the cajon it's 750 yeah uh, i think so that's right. symbols not included carry bags are included so yeah you can get this whole thing with a cajon for 750 so uh, without the cajon, it's going to be even cheaper. So check yeah. out the Dixon Little Rumor Kit. And awesome. I, th- I think the snare is available separately, and it's around 120 bucks or so. Cool, maybe. man. Well, awesome. All right, well, let's get into some listener questions. What do we got today, buddy? <laughs> All right. So our first question comes from Tony. Uh, this, is a, this is a pretty good one that I, I really don't know the answer to, but we can pontificate. Uh, <laughs> why does it seem that a lot of famous bands especially rock bands play their hit songs faster live than on the studio recordings. That's a great question. <laughs> yeah. I don't uh, know. I, well, all I can say is from, from gigging live without a click, you think it is the tempo that you recorded. Yeah, you're right. Totally. Po- actually, you feel like you're dragging it. Right. <laughs> and then you watch the video back or you listen to a recording back and you're like, Hey, did anyone want to tell me that I counted us off <laughs> in a pop punk tune? And they're like, well, we just didn't want to say anything. I'm like, well, you should have, because I thought we were spot on. So I, that was a big thing for me with timing was if it feels right, it's wrong. If it feels insanely slow, it's right. Yeah. Because with with all the energy going on, it's really, I mean, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's adrenaline. Um, yeah. And I think there's a misleading assumption that when you want to make the crowd energized, you need to play faster and harder. Right. Uh, which I've had a few band leaders do that. They'll look back, let's let's play this a little bit faster. I'm like, yeah, but then it, it falls out of the pocket. You know, yeah. if it gets, it just loses something. But it's a perception thing, you know. And I, and if the leader the leader needs to feel it, so you got to go with what he or she wants. Yeah. But uh, I've definitely listened back and, and been like, yeah, that was just too fast. There was no way yeah. you could dance to it because it got to the point where it's like it's kind of in the weird spot. I got uh, to the point uh, out on the road where. I had the what's the Tama metronome? Is it the Rhythm Watch? Yeah, the Rhythm Watch. Yeah, so I didn't play to a click, but I always, I always counted the band off. Like I listened yeah. to the click first, right? So it's like, <clears throat> yep. all right, scroll the dial, eighty-two, clink, 
clink, I yeah. count us in, and then I'm, and then it's like whatever happens from there. But at least we started right. I do that um, every gig now because I just don't want anyone coming up to me saying, "Was that the right tempo?" Like, well, we started right. the right tempo. Wherever we ended up, I don't <laughs> that's know. On but you. <laughs> we started I, it the right. Yeah, I pulled out of the driveway. We had no dents on this car. Somehow, when I returned it to the rental place, it was all messed up. I didn't do it. Everything was fine. So, yeah, I'm with you. That's that was kind of because I tried to play to a click with with the band and it was like i kept pulling my inners out i'm like all right we're off i yeah. can't we're so off i can't get us back on um or it just it really did feel like it had no energy it felt like i was uh-huh. constantly pulling my band back so i just decided okay i will always count us in at the right tempo and whatever happens from there is yeah. music so it'll always cool. speed up <laughs> the next yeah. one is from uh alistair so he is. So he says, I'm currently setting up my private teaching practice, and I wanted to find out what cancellation policy do you guys have in place for your private students? For oh, example, awesome. if a student can't make it, when does he or she have to let you know, et cetera? Awesome. Uh, mine is hardcore, so it's probably a little different. Uh, mine is this. Uh, there's a fixed price. So let's say it's $100 a month to take half-hour private lessons with me. That's what it was last time I was doing when I owned the drum lab. Uh, so it was $100 to take private lessons for a month. And that was it. There's nothing else to talk about. You get every every time there's five lessons in the month, I don't get extra money. It's $100 per month to take lessons with me. Uh, no matter when you cancel, if you cancel six months in advance, it is $100 to be on my schedule. Uh-huh. I will do my best to give your son or daughter a makeup or you a makeup when I can, but that's still up to me. And that that does happen. Like it would be like, okay, I'll just come in on Saturday and knock out a bunch of makeups. Uh, but for me, cancellation is just a courtesy because I'm going to be there either way. If I'm teaching 16 students, that's eight hours of private lessons and I'm teaching from noon to eight and you cancel the five thirty slot. What do you think I'm going to do with my day? Yeah, like it doesn't nothing help I, you at all. It doesn't yeah. help me. I have to, yeah. Even if you cancel a month in advance, I still have to sit there for a half an hour because I can't leave. It's not enough time for me to go do anything. I can't do any errands. So it doesn't change anything for me. So my, I can tell you this, though, Alistair. It's really important to have a contract in place before they ever take their first lesson because you can never go back and say, okay, starting now, no uh, more yeah. cancellations. <laughs> so uh, I always gave them the contract. I said, hey, it's $100 a month to be on, on my schedule. You get every uh, – there's like three or four months that there's five lessons in the month. You get that for free. Uh, I teach every single day except for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. But uh, I teach, I mean, I teach every other day, Thanksgiving, Easter. I don't give a Mm. crap. I'll be there. Uh, And then, and it's like, but I also know that they won't be there. So I kind of don't teach those days (laughs) because the entire (laughs) roster cancels. And then, yeah, that's it. And then uh, makeups are to the teacher's discretion. What about you? It's, I mean, I'm definitely way looser. Uh, when I teach, I, part of my teaching is at, a, is at a school, so they handle all of that. Like, if right. I'm there, I get paid. If, if That's no it. one shows up, I get paid. And they have to give me, like, a, a warning of at least a day when, when no one's going to be there. Right. Uh, but privately, it's, it's looser because I'm teaching usually on Skype out of my house, so it doesn't, it actually does allow me to do other things if they cancel. So, as long well, as I'm given a few hours of warning, then it's, it's cool. I think it depends too on how my my policy had to be that stringent because I was teaching seventy five to eighty students a week. Yeah, that's different. I yeah. can't. I mean, that, that that's thirty cancellations a week. You know, yeah. you could have. So it, so it's totally different. Um, and thirty cancellations a week. If I had to refund those twenty five dollars times thirty, like we're oh, yeah. in some financial trouble. Yeah. So so I th- that obviously if I had like six students, it's like yeah. Just give me at least 24 hours of notice, and I'll yeah. do my best to get you a makeup. So, What about if you can't be there? Uh, I, that wasn't an option. I had a list of five to six guys that could always cover. So you you got a substitute. Oh, okay. But I've never, ever missed a lesson on anybody. Um, I don't even miss – I haven't missed a live lesson ever. It's And we are on huh. lesson 1,360-something. Um, so if I can't be here, then there's a sub here. Or I push it back a day or whatever. But – um, but yeah, so, so that was always my thing and it was a chance to hire new teachers. You know, I'd come back after a sub filled in for me and ask my students, Hey, how was your lesson on Wednesday? And they're like, Oh, I absolutely loved it. He or she showed me all this stuff. I'm like, Oh wow, that's cool. Maybe mm. I'll think about hiring them as a full-time teacher here. So cool. All right. Next. Okay. Next. This one is coming from Dave. 
He says, I noticed that stick marks on, on the drum heads of good drummers are clustered in the center. However, I noticed that my clusters are often spread or off-centered, especially on the snare. Uh, I understand that hitting the center of a drum head is important to maintain a cons- consistency of sound, but I find this difficult to do, especially when playing fast fills. So his question is, how important is it to practice hitting the center of the drum, and is this something that you notice and teach to your students? I don't think I teach it enough. I wish I did. Uh, I do notice it. It, it. It's. I. I don't think it's about the center. I think it's about the sweet spot of the drum, right? I don't think. Yeah, that, which isn't necessarily dead center. No, I don't think it is either. Uh, for me, I'm my my consistent hit is about maybe an inch and a half to two inches left of center. That's where I hit it. And mm. this, uh, I'm talking just snare drum right now. The snare opens up. It has more gush to it. When I hit right in the middle, it's kind of tight. It goes like, Cack! yeah, you know, yeah, it's a nodal point. It doesn't really rebound right. It sounds yeah, kind of dead. Exactly. Um, but I, I do try to make sure that I'm always hitting in the sweet spot of the drum and get the best sound. So I think as far as that goes, I don't know if it just develops over time. Do you just get to the point where you kind of hear my tom sounds wonky at the halfway point between the rim and the and the center? So I just don't hit it there. Um, what about yeah. you? I mean, did you I think, practice it? I, well, I did, especially in the marching band days. Of course, it was, yeah. they would put they would literally draw like a two inch circle or one and a half inch circle on the drum, and like you have to hit there. Right. Um, and with the quads, it was a totally different thing, where you had to hit really close to the rims. It was a, a very specific sound that you were going for. Okay. So I did practice it, but I kind of think the more you focus on your technique, the the more control you'll have and. Yeah. I think when you when you end up going way off the reservation, it's because you're you're just a little sloppy. Your technique's a little sloppy. Your motions Agreed. are probably not quite as efficient as they should be. Um, and the other side of that is it. I mean, if you play jazz or any kind of improv or creative form of drumming, you want to be able to get all kinds of different nuances out of your drums. So that's right. totally different thing. Sometimes you hit rim shots. Sometimes you don't. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you hit dead center. Sometimes you hit off center. But in this case, I think it's probably a matter of you, you probably should carve a little bit of time out of, to, to play your fills really, really slow and, and work, just focus on the motions. Just each hand, what is the motion? You know, How far do you have to go? Maybe your setup has to move a little bit. Uh, but I did a lot of that, like motion practice, just one yeah. hand going from tom to tom and seeing mm-hmm. like how far does my elbow have to go, how much do I have to roll my shoulder, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, did, I guess I did kind of get nerdy on it early on. I, I, I did for sure when I was younger. I did the same thing as you. I mean, I drew uh, you know, the silver dollar size circle on all of my drums. I drew it on my practice pad. Yeah. Yeah, um, we did that and we did like a we did strips of tape that formed a V so you made sure your sticks yep, weren't coming in. I totally the side. did that. Yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, I mean I did all that stuff and then I think it's so funny now. I play all over the drum because of the tones I can get out of the drum, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I have my 12 tuned pretty high, and I'm kind of always getting those almost timbali-type things going on. Yeah. Um, but, I, but, I, but if I'm going to do flat, doom, shatter, doom, you bet you're tushy. It's right in the sweet spot. <laughs> I'm not going to go flat, coing, slack, a bling. <laughs> like, no way. It's shlat, doom, scatter, doom. And it's just, yeah, butter's going to drip out of the bottom of my toms. Everything's going to be great. Funny. So I think it just comes down to practice, buddy. Got to practice and, and care about it. So, All right. All let's right. move on to our picks of the week. All right. And, guys, keep sending in your questions. We love that stuff. You can send in audio or text. Uh, send it into mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. I mentioned my pick of the week this time a little earlier. It is something that I'm uh, hoping will get me closer. Uh, I'm not a big, giant self-help book kind of guy, but this one just spoke to me in the airport flying to England to do something. And the book is called Crunch Time, How to Be Your Best When It Matters Most. The reason why I got this book, uh, those there's a million books just like this out there, but this one was a little bit different. The forward was written by Billy Bean. If you guys don't know him from the Oakland A's and the Moneyball thing, he's yeah. the guy that kind of changed the A's organization. Uh, but the book was actually written by Rick Peterson. Rick Peterson was a hit... Uh, a, sorry, a pitching coach for the Oakland A's. And I started thinking about what is the most pressure-packed situation in the world? Being a reliever 
in pitching must be insane. Yeah. You've had this guy work his butt off for seven or eight straight innings to keep, you know, to keep it at zero three. And then you have to come in and get one guy out. (laughs) And so my thought was, okay, let's say that the reliever comes in, he's got, and he just flubs two pitches and there's two on third guy comes up to bat. All he has to do is get this one guy out. And that pitching coach has to go out there time 45,000 people going bananas saying everything about this pitcher's mom and he has the pitching coach has to go out there put his hand on the dude's shoulder and say one sentence to calm this whole situation down and get that moment to be the moment and it was awesome so the first story in there is about uh who is it wasn't tim hudson it wasn't mark Mulder. uh i can't remember who the pitcher was but anyways it was in the playoffs and he has to get one guy out and uh, he goes out to the mound and he says, uh, how you doing, man? And, and the pitcher says, I, I, I can't feel my legs. <laughs> and, and Rick Peterson goes, well, we don't need you to kick a field goal. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, it's like the best line ever. And he says, you're not a pitcher. You are a glove hitter. All I need you to do is hit that glove. You are a professional glove hitter. Now make it happen. <laughs> and he walks off, but and the dude was laughing. He's like, I don't need you to kick a field goal. I don't care if you can't feel your legs. How are your arms? It was just awesome, oh, man. So man. the whole book good. is about reframing the situation, finding ways to take that moment that you're in and turn it from the you know something scary into something positive. So the book is called Crunch Time. It's by Rick Peterson and Judd Ho- Hoekstra. Um, and the four was written by Billy Bean. Yeah, there's, I was just looking. There's a few other ones with that title. So the subtitle is How to Be Your Best When It Matters Most. That's the one. There's a couple other ones. That's the one. I'm definitely going to get that one because I, I love – I mean, I wanted to be a pitcher, and that's that's what oh, I wow. wanted to be, like a middle reliever, just the guy who comes in for an inning and just shuts everybody down. And Right. You're right. I mean – Or blows up you, the whole game. Yeah, right. or and it happens every 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 week during the season. Yeah. There's a middle reliever who just ruins everyone's day and has to and ruins the pitcher's hard work. You know, the yeah. pitcher. It's like, dude, I got us through six innings. Yeah, the starter goes like with a shutout, and then in the seventh inning, it's nine runs. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I mean, I love it, and yeah, this the the thought of it because it when you play like little league and stuff, it's like you're like basically in a cornfield plan but these stadiums like it's like spotlights on you Dude. you know it's like <laughs> and like tv cameras and like <laughs> thousands of people are staring at you and they can like literally see the sweat pouring off your forehead yeah. and it's so yeah. <laughs> it's so high depth <laughs> and you gotta like, run out through the on, onto the mound from the right. outfield they make yeah. a big deal like you're some kind of bull being released from a cage yeah <laughs> 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 Or to throw a, a, a ball, yeah, right, and then and if you screw it up, you are like legendary, like you are the worst human being that's ever lived. It's like there's Bartman and then you, and it's yep. like I just I, I he hit the ball. He gets paid twenty million dollars a year to hit the ball. Don't be so surprised that he actually made contact. Anyways, I thought oh, it was man. like I said. I've seen a million of these self help books. I don't buy them. And then I saw that and I was like, you know what? Who knows more about actual crunch time than a, than a pitching coach that has to talk to that reliever? So yeah, cool. I right, calm the nerves. My pick of the week is the um, Shord put out a like a three iPhone interfaces where you can record audio straight into your iPhone. Okay. And the one that I like the best is the MVI. It's essentially a single channel interface that you can you can plug a XLR cable or a quarter inch cable directly into your into this interface, and then there's a lightning cable, USB to lightning cable to go straight to your iPhone or iPad. So you can record audio at the same time that you record video. So you don't have to do any post syncing. Oh, this is awesome. And it's got, I mean, it's it's got a full, you probably said it, but I was busy looking it up, but it's full XLR, so you could use your greatest mic that you own. Exactly. You could do a mic, your phone. or what I'm doing is I'm sub-mixing two channels, so I've got a, a room mic and a bass drum mic, and I've got all my weird effects and stuff going into my mixer, and then I just send a mono channel out of that into it, so I'm basically getting a pre-mixed final version of the audio at the same time that I do the iPhone videos. Dude, and it's 116 bucks. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty cool. Okay, so it's it's the M as in Mary, V as in Victor, I. Yep. Sure, MVI. MVI. Yep, exactly. Wow. And in, and the Shore app has um, you can you can change the 
the gain and compression. There's limiting. There's an EQ that you can you can use to kind of pre-adjust some stuff. And it says it's got five DSP recording modes. What are the modes? Uh, I think I'm that seeing would be like music, guitar, speaker. Yeah, yeah it's just different preset like gain okay. structures. So if I you gotcha. plug a, a mic into it, it'll have the gain adjusted for that. If you plug a guitar into it, it'll gain will be adjusted for that. Man, what a cool thing! It's very cool, and I mean that's. I've been using that for for Instagram because I don't I don't want to be spending an hour editing a one minute video yeah. for Instagram. So I just right. do this, and then the audio and stuff is already locked in, and then I just do a little post just to add some color effects and stuff right. later. But, oh, it's great, man! I think I think I remember you mentioning something about this right after Nam. I remember you saying yeah. that Sure was coming out with a bunch of stuff that blew your mind, and sure. And there's another one coming that hopefully I'll be able to talk about once it's released in a couple. I think they said May, maybe. That's similar. It might even be better, but I don't know yet. I haven't tried it. So there's, okay. there's a lot of these things coming out that are, you know, because it's the iPhone camera is so great, but the audio is so terrible. Right. I mean, it's, no, I agree. it's like almost useless to use the iPhone video without some way of getting the audio uh, replaced. So this kind of does it. This so, might yeah. be our best dual pick of the week ever. <laughs> like yeah, right. a book to help your nerves and a way, super affordable way to get great sounding audio onto onto your phone. That's fantastic, yep. man. It's pretty cool. So Very cool. V1 by Shure. Very good. All right, buddy. Well, have an amazing week. Uh, to all the listeners, uh, enjoy the, two, the double podcast this week. And uh, <laughs> we will see you guys next time.